This is Edith Switlow. I'm in Calgary, Alberta, and very, very happy to be sitting with some returned volunteers, RVs as we call them. And one of the books that I've been uh, falling asleep to for quite some time, reading piece by piece. It's a beautiful book to read that way, by the way. Um, Hans Henning Mundel. Did I say their last name correctly? Um, is here with me, and he wrote this fabulous book called My Life Among the Paneas of the Nilgiri Hills. And after reading this book, this place entered into my bucket list of places I must see. So, welcome. Thank you. You went as a pretty young man, you, as, as a young man. How old were you? I was 24. Yes. So. But I was not just fresh uh, out of uh, the bachelor's degree. I had two masters by that time. Two masters, yes, wow. Uh, one in agronomy, plant breeding, and one in international agricultural development from the University of California at Davis after the first degree at UBC. Okay, so you did one at UBC yeah. first. Yeah. And, I, and so two degrees, and you were out. 66 to 69, 66 to 67 with the, among the Panyas, but I was three years in India with Kusa. You served at the same time, Nancy, She Garrett. came 67, yeah. and I, I was between positions, and I was asked to help orient the new groups, and I was in Delhi, and that's where I met her. Tell me about that's the Panyas. The, the Panyas is a um, hill tribe in southern India, uh, which used to be classified as Australo-Negroid because of their features. So they're uh, one of the hill tribes that has been sort of pushed more and more into the less hospitable areas in the south as sort of the main movements, sort of the Aryan uh, northern Indians pushed the Dravidians to the south. These were pushed more and more into the jungles. And so in the 19th century, they were ba basically um, in the jungles and at nighttime raiding crops by the, from the small landowners in the area oh. who then um, actually captured some of them by, in nets and, uh, and uh, um, then uh, 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 trained them to do errands for them and then they became indentured servants to, uh, without a um, financial um, base at all they for uh, so much rice for, for the year, they had to work there and they, they were made, given these contracts and uh, so they became indentured slaves. And uh, so t 25 families um, were uh, placed onto a land uh, through the help of Dr. Narasimhan, who had organ uh, was the founder of the Nilgiris Adivasi, which means Tribal Welfare Association. And uh, uh, he did medical welfare in the higher altitudes of the Nilgiri Hills. And then he came across these tribals on the western slopes and he f thought it was just, once he started treating them, he found it was horrific that they were still living in such indentured state mm. in the 1960s. Mm. So he was able to get some wasteland from the government, 100 acres, more or less, and uh, to get uh, uh, 20, uh, row houses, uh, five row houses for five uh, families each of two tiny rooms built through the government and then he got uh, 25 families moved into them 
Five had lived in that area before, but their huts had burnt down, and so they were, they were moved on. And then he realized, first of all, he is a medical doctor, and secondly, he's uh, about over 200 kilometers away at his headquarters. He needs a farm manager. So he then approached CUSO. Okay. And at that time, CUSO had already had my uh, CV with them, and uh, so they then asked me if I would uh, go there and do that. And so I did my limited reading, which was available at the time, and Th Edgar Thurston from 1909 is sort of the castes and tribes of southern India was sort of my main Bible on these. It was way before the internet, and uh, mm. uh, so it was limited what I could find out. But anyway, I decided I wanted to go there. Once arriving in India, after two months orientation in Vancouver, then we had an orientation in, in Delhi, uh, which in my mind dealt too much with the ancient cities of Delhi rather than of uh, the, current life. the current life and, and uh, anything to do with the people that I was going to be working at. <laughs> yes. But the Rockefeller Foundation had two Canadians uh, on their board in, in India, and one was Dave Hopper and one was uh, Glenn Anderson. And uh, Dave Hopper met me at the airport and he said, thought right away that it's inappropriate to place someone with a master's in agriculture uh, down there, that the local block development officer, village level workers, they could help that NGO. And uh, I basically told David Hopper that uh, I appreciate his concern. He wanted to place me with the research center. Uh -huh. I, and he actually arranged to have me flown and visit one, where then a year later I actually went. Okay. And, uh, uh, and, and this colleague came across from Hyderabad to take me there. But I said, I appreciate your concern, but I feel that I don't feel comfortable. CUSO promised me to them, I accept it, and let me go down there and see what the situation is. And so I stayed most of the year. Can you do me a f favor? Uh, from the back of your book, yes. could you read a piece of your choosing? Because it's 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 beautiful, by the way, everyone. These this, these are letters Henning wrote, poem, right? Yes, to Bev, my wife of 42 years, then my fiance, and uh, to my parents. Those okay. to my parents were written in German, and I translated, uh -huh. but I sort of took from both sources and to come up with this. Um, okay, about the uh, this is about back. Uh, uh, vaccination against smallpox, which was still uh, very active at the time. On my way back, I met Noonjan all alone, one of the children I had enrolled in school. On his way to school, he talked to me quite excitedly, but I managed to understand that the rest of the children had run away. Okay, we're dealing with language difficulty. Mm -hmm. Naturally, I was curious. I was able to ascertain that the government, government vaccinator for smallpox and his helpers were about and had been spied by the Panyas. Vela, the chief, self-appointed chief, had suggested to the children that it would be wiser for them to the, run into the jungle to hide. And then follows a whole story how I retrieved them. <laughs> so, so many years later, yeah. you with the Rotary Club Yes. And many other generous children from schools, etc., in in uh, Alberta, um, did something spectacular. Tell me. Yes, and when I was putting together this book, which is self-published, mm -hmm. um, I contacted the NGO, the non-governmental organization that I worked for 40 years earlier, 
the Nilgiris Adivasi Welfare Association, saying, I'd like to, if people are motivated by the situation of the Panyas to contribute towards something, it should be something concrete. What would you suggest? And they came back with a small hospital because the Panyas had no access to any hospital, only these very sporadic visits of then Dr. Narasimhan and later other doctors. Eventually, maybe once a month, somebody came down. Eventually, they got a dispensary built and a nurse posted there, but no doctor, no hospital. So I took that to heart and then took it also to my, uh, put something about that in my book and uh, offered to do a little check off uh, from sale of my book related to that. But then in April 2008, our Rotary Club of Lethbridge East got on board and we started with fundraising seriously. We got eight other Rotary Clubs in Alberta eventually involved, um, private donors, and as you mentioned, this one grade three class, which was very touched by my presentation about the plight of the children and the situation of the children. They did cupcake fundraisers towards this to build a small 10 bed hospital. Wonderful. So in over two years, we raised the funds on the 18th of July this year, 2010, was the inauguration of a 10-bed hospital, also with a Rotary Matching Grant with a Rotary Club in India, Coimbatore, Manchester, um, and Rotary International and our respective Rotary districts. We did, were able to provide the funds for the outfitting, all India-made um, from the beds and, and uh, uh, mattresses and sheets and and um, cupboards to generator, uh, x-ray machine, and a mobile medical van. And then our Australian friend, Rotarians, came through with solar water heater. And that was all uh, in place. And the doctors hired through the government. And as of September 1, the first three inpatients could be accepted into that hospital. So on that note, I do want to say, if you want to purchase this book or to contribute to an amazing project. It, I mean, you're continuing to fundraise, right? Because yes. the, uh, these hospitals can't be built and then just no, left no, alone. No, we're trying to add a lab to it. Ah, that's critical. Yeah. It, please go to www.henningpaniyas.ca and you can contact um, um, Henning and, and uh, purchase this book and maybe even contribute to this project. But uh, before you go, I do want to ask you one brief question is your life in international development didn't just begin in India and stop in India, did it? <laughs> well, by the time I went to India, I had been a, uh, well, a wartime child in Germany and I'd been a refugee to Germany. Um, and then immigrated to Canada as a nine-year-old. And uh, so um, from early on, I mean, I always was drawn towards the international community. At UBC, right in my first year, I was treasurer of the international ball for the international club at International House. Oh, where we're going to have so our right, reunion, yes, yeah. Right in, from first year in, uh, <laughs> as an 18-year-old. Wow. <laughs> And, um, and then uh, after, after my three years with uh, um, CUSO in India, one of the reasons I went out is with the idea of, uh, I want to go in international development, um, but I wanted uh, to get a PhD, but I wanted to get some personal experience. Well, life goes various ways, of course. We got married and Bev came to India. Our son was born there, but then 
um, after my PhD, we did go to Kenya uh, and in um, a wheat breeding project, and then uh, followed by um, through the German GTZ, the German equivalent of CEDA, uh, posting to Ethiopia to be a project manager and plant breeder and starting up a gene bank. And then uh, um, while in Ethiopia, civil war breaks out. We leave, I end up without work for seven months, no unemployment insurance, wife, three kids. <laughs> and then I get an accepted job at the Lethbridge Research Station where for almost 30 years I worked with a two and a half year secondment to Pakistan to work on a canola project. Oh, the Kenya project was on, um, uh, was on wheat breeding and the Ethiopia one was on a plant gene bank, diversity mm -hmm. of crops. Amazing. I can't thank you enough for your contributions to QSO VSO in the early days and for continuing your commitment to international development and uh, through incredible projects like the one you're doing. So please go to www.henningpanias.ca and have a check, check this book out. I enjoyed it.